da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. We are back. We are back with the Oscar season discussion, guys. The conversation never ends here on the show. The Oscar season is still here. It's um, it's kept me up. I've actually been taking cover from it, and um, I've got an Oscar season shelter in my house. I built it. <laughs> uh, tedious work. Uh, it was worth it though. I've got like a lot of canned goods in there. Some emergency copies of MacGruber in case things get really dire. Just <laughs> never know when you need to throw on a copy of MacGrubes and get through the hard times and the uh, if, rough, I tough think times. You have a dedicated uh, MacGruber generator, right? Like, it'll <laughs> got several generators for the whole bunker, yeah, but this one. Pull string and MacGruber just starts playing on a screen randomly in my house. It's awesome. But. Oscar season is still here, and um, does this one count? I think Vaguely. so. I think it's on the outside looking in, perhaps, but yeah. it's it's in the conversation, sure. So this is one that we weren't originally planning on talking about right now. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe next week, maybe never. But uh, I guess kind of the uh, culture demanded it, and here we are. But so this is the return to the director's chair for Mel Gibson. I've heard of him. He's the one with that really good mixtape, right? A few years ago, <laughs> yeah. the phone call mixtape. Yeah, I think so. Same guy. I think so. The phone call. Some kind of. Phone I mean, call. you make me want to smoke. <laughs> he is a uh, worth it. Doing this episode, labeled as a psychopath. And rightfully mm-hmm. so, because the what Richard is referring to is psychotic. I think mostly anyone can agree with that. But uh, there's really no denying that uh, the guy can direct a movie. Um, he can direct a movie. He can act in a movie. It's and, the uh, uh, that's pretty much all he has to offer, I guess. Though there's to a steal human. line from to steal line from South Park, they say it. Uh, Say what you want about Mel Gibson, but the uh, SOB understands story structure. Is that what they say? Yeah. <laughs> when they're bringing in all the directors to figure mm-hmm. out Imagination Land and M. Yep. Night Shyamalan's useless and Michael Bay's useless and Michael, and then Mel Gibson comes in and he's totally crazy, but he solves the entire issue and they're like, <laughs> say what you want about the guy, but he gets it. That's true. That is so he true. He, he totally, I mean, he gets it. Uh, he's won Oscars for it. And uh, it's just, the entire kind of, I don't know if you want to say controversy around this, because it's not necessarily that, but in the fact that they didn't put his name on this movie, I guess we can start there. Well, mm-hmm. What's that about? Um, didn't say a Mel Gibson joint on top of the posters? Not at all. None of the trailers had that. So... Um, how how much do you feel as him? Uh, do would you do you understand if you're him? Hey Mel, uh, sorry, can't can't. I uh, don't know how to say this. Uh, can't 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 put your name on the movie. Like we <laughs> like your name. Like we know you directed the movie, but can the jacuzzi immediately start smoking just right there? Oh crud! Here you it comes. You want to smoke? 
It's literally the only thing from anything he said that we can say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I keep yeah. going back to it. So if you're wondering, like, can, I don't remember that quote. in a garden, in a rose garden. That's what <laughs> yeah. I, that was one of them. It's like, it's I, like, I put you in a rose garden. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I don't remember the rose gardener smoke thing from those Bill Gibbs tapes. I know. We all know. <laughs> Right, it's a PG we keep, show. Yeah. Keep it PG. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, Mel's definitely had his time, but Goozy. Okay, we're done. Okay, um, that's the last one. The times that he has done us right, I think we've all really enjoyed his work uh, mm-hmm. universally. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I guess his most notorious movie is The Passion. As far as um, controversy goes, as far as worldwide attention goes, uh, Bravehearts is maybe most fa- not most famous movie because The Passion is most famous, but most uh, uh, praised movie that yeah critically acclaimed maybe up sure. to this point. I think when you think of Mel Gibson as a performer, director, not personally, just as the the persona, I guess. I think the first, the three things you think of are Braveheart, Sean, Passion of the Science. Christ, and Lethal Weapon beaver. in some order or another. And the Beaver, obviously. Um, or Machete Kills. No, uh, I think those are the three things that come to mind. is Lethal Weapon, Braveheart, and, uh, and Passion of the Christ. It's an incredible uh, mashup. Uh, I think Exfoliated? which of those you think of first, I would say Get the Gringos pretty high up there. <laughs> I just think I think if you're if you're gonna think of uh, like if you if you just walked up to somebody and said okay Mel Gibson what movie did he do <laughs> you're gonna get one of three yeah. answers you're gonna get Passion of the Christ you're gonna get Braveheart or you're gonna get Lethal Weapon they're not That's gonna, gonna be the first I, thing nine nine out of ten people probably didn't even know he directed movies to be honest with you maybe do you think that's the case I mean he's Still? been out of the limelight for so long that maybe maybe uh, y- the younger audiences don't know that but i think if you asked anybody over i don't know 35 or 40 like i think it's i think they would know passion of the christ was a huge deal even if you're not in like if passion of the christ if you never saw it or it wasn't uh you know your cup of tea um i think it was such a big cultural moment of like whoa they're really doing this if nothing else you had that kind of sensation so yeah i think i think people know i think maybe not younger audiences but but i would guess the average person knows what did you guys think of the passion have we ever talked about that on the show what do you what do you think of it as a as a film or not i've seen yeah i've seen it once um that was that was enough uh i think it's a very well-made film i know there's a lot of controversy surrounding it so just as a as a film um he's very it's very well made and it's it's incredibly brutal and horrific and uh and terrifying um as a you know as a person of faith uh that was a very difficult two hours to uh to stomach um definitely the type of movie that i don't understand owning it and going back to watch it multiple times Yearly on Easter, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just gather the family together and have an Easter ham, and then watch the Passion <laughs> and cry together. It's just yeah. joyous times, just loving it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're talking about the Brian De Palma, Rachel McAdams starring film 
Passion, right? For We're actually Richard. talking sure. about the NBC soap opera Passions. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Close second. Uh, we uh, passion I, fruit tea. <laughs> no, you know we always go to the Tazo tea. Yeah, um, I know. Um, we're all about the Mad About Movies podcast is all about that Tazo too. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, I've seen it once as well. Uh, very well made, but again, very brutal. You're absolutely right. I just what impressed me the I've most. I've never seen it, guys. You've never seen The Passion? I know. I'm not going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed. That's that's the commitment to the bit, right there. <laughs> never seen it. <laughs> never seen it. Never will. No, um, it's yep. what impressed me the most about it is just the commitment to to um, the authenticity of it. You know, the right. doing yeah, it in sure. Arabic and everything. You definitely didn't have to do that, and um, it. I mean, it helps. Right? I mean, you feel like you're there for sure. Sure. So, having said that, we move to his latest endeavor, Hacksaw Ridge, his World War II epic, and. We could start off with a lot of different assets of this, um, with the story itself, with uh, with Mel's work here, with uh, kind of our background into it. But let's start off with kind of the casting because I think that's the biggest uh, question mark we had going in with uh, Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. and Vince Vaughn in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's touch on that, but let's get general thoughts as well. Uh, Brian, if you want to start us off, or Richard, actually. Richard, start us off because you were absent last episode, so we need to hear your voice more on the show. <laughs> That's debatable. Uh, yeah, I like I like Mel Gibson a lot as a director. I think he tells really – he makes really professional movies at a pretty large scale. Um, and I, yes, I just admit, I have not seen the passion. That's not like a protest or anything for me. I just like kind of missed it when it came out. And then like Brian said, despite the, the beauty of what the story maybe represents, it's not something I really just want to pop in the old Blu-ray on Easter or anything. So I just haven't done that. And it's not, I just want to clarify that, but that is a big hole. I've seen, uh, I've seen Apocalypto, (laughs) so I don't know what that (laughs) says about me. Um, but uh, I like Mel Gibson a lot as a storyteller. The 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 you know I don't handle violence as well as some, uh, and so I I struggle with it. Uh, in in and so this movie was no different in that uh, I can't say that I like had a blast in my three hours in the in the uh, cinema, uh, but I can say that I I came out of it though it was a maybe a dark few hours in my soul. Uh, that it it was a I came out of it really, really admiring the level of technique uh, required to make a movie like this, and he yeah. he really is all horrible things he's done and said aside, all horrible things I've done and said about him. Probably um, he really is an an impressive impressive artist and a real auteur on the, on these things and. Uh, you know, damned if this movie isn't uh, really moving and, and beautiful and, and, and wonderful in parts. And uh, and uh, he's a director that I just I'm trying to think. I, I just don't even know really who to compare him to because he does things on such a Spielberg. large scale. Yeah. Yeah. He's like uh, 
What's that movie? There's this movie from my, I'm trying to think, remember what it's called. Uh, oh gosh, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I can see some Spielberg in him, but the, 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 the triumph of the human spirit may be there, but, but at the expense of crushing the human soul to get there. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I can I, totally yeah. see Spielberg doing the, the passion. I could totally see that, that that would have been something he would do eventually. But the John Williams like Schindler's Spielberg list, like I could totally see uh, Mel Gibson <laughs> doing a Schindler's list here. movie, you know? Not sure. as and it, it, well, you know, know what that's not true. No, I can't. I cannot but, see Mel Gibson. Yeah, I cannot see Mel Gibson. You know what I mean? No, it's just, no, but um, technique wise, you're right. Technique you're wise, right. subject matter wise, I just feel like they're very similar. Well, when when one's father denies that events during that time period even happened, well, I, you know what I'm, I would. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? It's not no, like I this about I religion. No, it's not religion. I'm just that's not religion. I'm just saying historically, uh, uh, you know. The, the Holocaust is a is a touchy thing for for the Gibson family, you know, in, in denying a lot of it. I know. Um, and so I mean, that's not a religious statement by any means. But no, I, I can't see him doing Schindler's List. But but yes, there are a lot of things. epics is what I meant. Stylistically and, and, and scale wise. Absolutely. That I can that I can see. Apocalypto would have been a Spielberg kind of a thing. I feel like, you know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but go on. Sorry. I don't know why no, I I'm got, on, I'm got you on I'm that done. tangent. No, no, no. I'm done. I'm done. That was, that's all I had to say. What about you, Brian? What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I was nervous going in because of that trailer and all the buzz was so good. Like the advanced screenings and stuff. People were just coming out talking about how great it was. Andrew Garfield's accent really had me nervous. I think it's because we live in the South. I feel like every movie that casts a, an actor or actress who is not Southern to play a Southern role. (laughs) They just, it's like, gotta go so far overboard on trying to get that accent. Right. And then like, I don't care so much from a, like one of my big pet peeves is uh, um, like when people from Boston complain that uh, the accents in the departed weren't accurate. Like, I don't care The Departed's a really good movie. So just shut up and let's just move on with it. But for whatever reason, I think with Southern accent, if you overdo it or you don't play it right, it really becomes distracting. And it, it just it kind of sets the character off on this foot where you like don't take him seriously enough, I guess, if the, if that accent doesn't hit. So I was nervous about that from the from the trailers because that was like the only thing I could focus on in those, uh, you know, the short moments where Andrew Garfield was on screen or was just talking. You're just like, Oh man, this is going to be really hard for 10 minutes. I was struggling. And then, uh, you know, you, I kind of got used to it and, and I was able to, uh, you know, appreciate the film for what it is. I was impressed by Garfield. I don't, I don't have, I don't know that he was the best choice for this role, but I think he, he did it admirably. Um, and I don't have a great like sub in for him or somebody that I would have swapped in, in in his place, but, um, I'm not sure that that was the perfect casting, but I think that he did a really good job with it once it got there. And just as a filmmaker, um, I don't think Mel Gibson is quite on like peak Spielberg level, but he's, he's really close. He's like, to me, he's kind of, he's like the a version of of ron howard who i love i love ron howard i love ron howard's directorial style and what he brings to the table um but ron howard will also make a da vinci code on you you know and so i think um 
I think his his sensibilities and his style are somewhere between the two of them when they're at their when they're at their best. And I I also I I commit I always would commend Gibson for taking on really difficult films and then like adding a degree of difficulty to them. Um Braveheart is probably the easiest movie that he's made and that's a pretty complex film especially given, you know, those made 20 plus years ago and that was a, a little bit of different time as far as like what kind of films we were looking for and uh and how well it holds up and all that sort of stuff like that's a it's an incredibly well done movie and it it maybe didn't even have to be that well done to be um to be like a, a kind of a cultural touchstone at that time. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't think he had to make that movie as good as it was to still have it be very successful. Yeah. Um, but Apocalypto and Passion of the Christ. And now this one, these are really high degree of difficulty movies and they're, he pulls them off really well. There's, you know, there's, this is not a perfect movie by any means. Um, it it kind of sucks that it's being compared to Saving Private Ryan because I think Saving Private Ryan is a a masterpiece and B if it's not the best war movie of all time, it's certainly in the top three, maybe. I mean, that's, and and that's something that we, that that industry has done very well historically is make war movies. That's something that we are really good at. And, uh, and so to say something is the top, the best one in that genre, you know, that really means something. Um, and, but, but I, that's where I would have it. So coming out with, with people saying, Oh, it's the best war movie since saving Fire Ryan that, that may be cause we, we haven't done just a ton of war movies. That's not really, uh, maybe world war two movies. Sure. There's been sure. some very notable, like uh hurt locker and things like that. that sure. Have come out yeah. That are- yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, that's not something we do a lot. That's not really popular at this point. I mean, do you consider zero dark 30, a war movie? I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. re- regardless, um, t- a lot of people were throwing around that comparison and I, I don't think that's ultimately fair to Hacksaw Ridge because you, you shouldn't and, be contending with and the Marvel uh, civil war movies. Like <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Richard, it is a different civil war, uh, but you just, we just keep having to go back to that. Uh, no, it's, I think it did a disservice Perfect. to the movie to have that, that add that thought implanted in the, in your mind going in of like, well, they said this is the best war movie since same Fire. So you're immediately trying I'm like found myself trying like that was seeping in. And at the same time, I'm trying really hard not to compare it to saving Private Ryan. Cause I don't think that's fair, but um, so anyway, there's a long way of saying, I think this is a very, very good movie. I don't think it's perfect, but I think, I think it's flaws are kind of easily overlooked. If you're, if you're willing to get swept up into the better aspects of it. Yeah, I think, um, it takes a while to get going. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Right at the beginning, I was nervous. Um, Same. There's a scene at the beginning with the little kids, and it has the most wrong kid died vibe of <laughs> like cliche. Uh, not to say it's cliche because it probably really happened, um, but like, oh, the, he inadvertently kills his brother. And then he's gonna hold that. His parents are gonna hold that resentment for the rest of his life, and that's what he's gonna be fighting through the war and all that. I I thought that's what it was setting up for. It kind of does. Sure. Um, It sets it up for that. Um, You know, he hits him in the head with the brick, and he passes out. And 
Uh, they can't revive him. And then it cuts to the kid and them on the bed, and they're fine. I, I was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. I thought he just died. Like, that was a huge emotional moment, and then it cuts to them, the kid's on the bed, and then the, the brother's talking to each other, and he's got, like, a Band-Aid on his forehead or something. I don't know. That's just That was just kind of like, what? What? Good. Is so he's he's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was just weird. But after that, it was fine. Like like that was just the, w- the weirdest way to start this movie to me. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's how it had to start or if um, that's the most compelling thing that happened in this kid's life up till that moment. But um, it's just uh, it's out of place. It's just, I don't know. You could you could have started with Andrew Garfield instead of doing that vignette kind of thing at the beginning, uh, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. No, I thought the the um his life story um I mean you can really hit or miss with the, these types of things we saw um Unbroken a couple of years ago just mm-hmm. really really um focus on those parts and made them good but just couldn't didn't hammer it home with any of the war drama type stuff um Mm -hmm. and this really uh definitely hammers at home with the war type stuff but um as far as the other stuff it it definitely gets a pass to me i was surprised at how well it worked how well how well andrew garfield worked how well his relationship with his girl worked um it just felt like genuine and people back then you felt like were doing that they were getting married um quickly like that they were falling in love quickly like that because they didn't know if they'd have tomorrow or the next day or the next week after Pearl Harbor you know and all that um so I thought that was accurate I thought the relationship with his dad who fought in World War One and he was an alcoholic and had all those feelings I thought that was if not true a very compelling storyline and uh him his family not wanting to join up I thought that was a compelling storyline um this movie it's first this is not trying to be saving private ryan by any means um, yeah it's, yeah it's its own thing it's not stylistically narratively anything trying to do to do that it's telling it its own thing um to compare it to that i guess it's the same war so you can compare that and they're both war movies so you can compare them like that but um i wouldn't really compare them uh, they're very very different and this one really does focus on the character or the story of uh, Desmond Doss, and mm-hmm. this is in, in the vein of Louis Zamperini from Unbroken, just an incredible story from a story perspective, let alone that this guy fought in a war. Um, the fact that uh, all he did to avoid getting a, having to hold a rifle, I mean, that's a movie in and of itself, let alone what happens after you know, or when he actually goes into combat. Um, I think they get, did a good job of just showing the kind of steps and the progression of his life. And first his brother joins up, or first his dad is, uh, you know, PTSD, so to speak, and alcoholic and very regretful about his him joining up in World War One, And so that sets it up. And then the brother comes at dinner, you know, in uniform. And uh, that's a pretty tense moment there. Uh, good scene, well written and uh, shot and everything. And I, what do we think of before we move on? Uh, what did we think of uh, the father here, Hugo Weaving? 
I was super impressed with Hugo Weaving. I love Hugo Weaving. Yeah, he's always very good with, to me, like, he's very good at playing the type of characters that you typically see him playing. And this character had so much more depth than I expected. That first scene with him, I was like, I'm kind of nervous about this. The whole movie, the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes maybe, I was nervous. It just felt like, um, I don't know, it just felt a little too safe for what, ultimately was to come i guess I, I don't know like the flashbacks at the beginning and all that sort of stuff anyway my, my point is i i was a little nervous the whole for that first 20 minutes and then starting with the dinner table conversation when you know when his brother hal comes home having enlisted and and his dad starts talking about uh his friend who died in, in mm. world war one that's yeah. that's that's an incredible scene and uh and and gut punch and that's some of the finest acting we we've seen this year. And he, you know, he, he's obviously he's not the star of the movie, but every time from there on that he shows up, it's a really, really good scene. And it's one that you're going to like, I'm going to be thinking about later um, is how, how powerful he was. Like, I don't know that he's on screen enough to really warrant this, but he, that might be the best supporting actor, uh, excuse me, this best supporting performance that, that we've seen so far this year for me, at least like that was an incredible, incredible well, job. Keep that in mind. And you're, you're right. And I love Hugo Weaving. He's one of my favorite actors. And I think he's criminally underrated, but remember Woody Harrelson played twins <laughs> <laughs> in a supporting role, That's like right. two That's parts. Right. Sure. And one so was did he good. get two Oscars for that, or just one? Well, one was good and one was evil, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. I thought that was a great dynamic again. A great aspect of the story and the character was that him never wanting to become that, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what, every fabric of his being, and his, his mom, I guess, in the beginning saying he hates himself, you know, that really. Yeah. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate me. He hates himself. Uh, That was never something that uh, Andrew Garfield or Desmond wanted to become. And so that was pretty much his motivation through everything. It was just, don't be what my dad was. And uh, that that was, that along with him almost killing his brother in the whole, them hammering in his head at that point, no pun intended, that he, you know, killing is a sin. Don't kill anyone ever, you know, and he never forgot, you know, and that ends up being a major point of his character's uh, personality. But so he actually goes to basic training here when he joins up and there's this scene with um, him and his dad when he talks about enlisting and him wanting to be a medic and everything. So that's an interesting way to kind of do it. Um you don't think about those people back in those times that were the medics and the people that weren't fighting, you know, that were just there serving, you know? Um, yeah. My grandfather on my mother's side was a, was a, uh, a nurse. Mm. Wow. In the war in those times. And, and then was a, uh, I never, I never met the man. He died before I was born, but he was also then a nurse, um, in the, in the, uh, veterans hospitals and things. Wow. In the fifties, fifties and sixties. And yeah, it's such a, you know, it's one of those things I've, I've known that fact since I was a kid, but you never really think movie, about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't realize. You don't think about. You think about it, and it's it's lovely and all that. But you don't think about how heroic that is, mm-hmm. and sure. how equally heroic that is to shooting a gun until you really see what all is involved in that in battle, sure, and yeah. um and the the risks that those people take. You know, I'd love to uh, have had the chance to to pick his brain about that and. Um, uh, you know, it, it it really is. It, it's a it's a different type of bravery. But I I would say you know anyone that goes I mean, we're a bunch of three dudes doing a podcast. Anyone that goes into really anything in battle, even if you're you know running floppy disks from from <laughs> group to group, uh, is is a hero in my book. And and so uh, it was in, that the best thing about this movie is that it it kind of shows that. Yeah, man, when he gets the basic training, um, I have a pretty high standard when it comes to sequences like that. I feel like there's we see them all the time, you know, the troops standing in line and the sergeant coming in and laying down the law and all that. Um, mm-hmm. What I really hold high in my mind as like the coup de grace of those is Full Metal Jacket, of course. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think there's ever been anything as visceral as that when it comes to that type of yeah. stuff when it comes to just they'll they don't care about you you know they'll they'll call you the scum of the earth if it means you'll they'll get you'll get the job done and everything um and full metal jacket has its i mean i don't i don't think the third actors even anything past the basic training is is too great um but that stuff is and in this i mean this is great too um they really they really do a great job here um, I was not convinced with Vince Vaughn. Again, I mentioned that before. But people were really raving about him, though. I feel yeah. the same way. Can't I? Kind of. I feel like I missed that a bit too. It, may, it might have been the smell. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Shouldn't con- have seen it in smell o vision. That's, yeah, that's on you. That's that is. On I didn't know how it would work at first, but I mean, there's probably three or four straight scenes in a row at basic training here uh it's a good chunk of the movie it's the first act is him kind of meeting his girl and with his parents and everything and then the second act is really him in basic training and then the extended third fourth act if you will is is the the actual war but it um he is there and i mean you really see vince vaughn's character get angry and more angry and more angry and I didn't think that he had that in him. And what I like most about it is just that I never would have expected that him in this role and then doing it so well. Like, that makes it even more enjoyable. The fact that it's mm-hmm. seeing somebody that you know and love, but doing it so well and doing it so differently. You know what I mean? Like, if that was a sure. no-name actor doing that, mm-hmm. I'd be like, wow, that guy's great. I don't know who it is. But the fact that it's Vince Vaughn, it makes it that much more special and, like, fist-pumpy, mm-hmm. you know? You know, you know? Because like, man, Vince, we knew you could do it all along kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's you know, it's to me, it wasn't quite as well done, but it, it reminded me a lot of uh, David Schwimmer basically pulls that same yeah, exact Band same thing off in Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I thought Schwimmer did it better. Um, I for me, Vaughn did not work in the beginning and worked really well or mm-hmm. at least better as the movie went. Yeah, um, that's what I you know, it was. Fu- I mean, it was funny seeing him do the just kind of make fun of them the first go around that was 
that's probably that why he got the role. a great way to introduce those characters. Like sure. everyone yeah, in the barracks, all the different absolutely. guys, just have him yeah. come in there and just point out crap about him, and you'll remember him by that. You know, Ghoul and all that. Like that was that was good it was, writing. Yeah, it was smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, from his performance standpoint, I didn't think he was great in it, but he got better as the as it went in. Maybe he got more comfortable. You got to give him credit. I mean, he's trying. He's trying to stretch himself and show his range. And obviously, True Detective didn't work out. He like to do a any shot of those by shot remake. He's a shot by shot remake of the psycho that he did, <laughs> but with like a spinning camera this time. Yeah, so, just yeah. no scene Skip for scene, exact a remake yeah. of the remake of Psycho. No, you're right, Brian. I think True Detective is like a total John Krasinski move, mm-hmm, where sure, it was like sure. a really smart choice, mm-hmm. and everyone would have done this exact same thing, and it seemed really cool, and then failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I and so I, I do. I think I'm with you, Brian. I'm with him, like really trying to figure out what his late forties and fifties are going to be like. Mm-hmm. I just he didn't totally kill it on this, but he wasn't abysmal either. So I, I'm not out on him doing more things like this, but this was a little, I don't, I don't think he's going to like win the, he's not going to go like, it's not his Mickey Rourke or Alan Arkin sure. or sure. Eddie Murphy and dream girls performance by any means. Sure. You know what? Um, Sam Worthington as well. Yeah, not. I mean, hey, he's still a guy. Another like, guy. I forgot that's about him. Going to bring in and make him do a American accent. Mm-hmm. He's still yeah, a guy. <laughs> I mean, have you? When was the last time you thought about Sam Worthington? Like yeah, five years? I mean, first thing that I wake up. Avatar. But yeah, the post, sure, okay. poster above your bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the Terminator. Jake's even though it's not Avatar. It's not. It's not Avatar. It's Terminator. Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a as you guys know, huge South <laughs> fan. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was random. Um, my, I thought my I thought, favorite Terminator film, <laughs> Terminator Sal. Yeah, yeah, um, Salve. Yeah, S A L V. You're a real Salvi. Um, <laughs> the stuff in the barracks, as far as the other guys go, like I thought the thing with the naked soldier was hilarious. Um, it's just yeah. something. Just it's just a kind of a thing to throw in where. You know that that really happened, or so, somebody told that story at some point. You know, sure. Um, it, you could just totally see your grandpa saying, "We were at basic <laughs> training, and this one guy didn't have his clothes on. The drill sergeant came in and made him do all the basic training without his clothes." You know, like you can totally sure. see that happening, and to actually see it unfold here was a great gag. I mean, to say that this movie has gags is weird. You know, honestly. But it was a very effective uh, bit of com- comedic relief in a mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. that kind of desperately needed needs yeah, some did. kind of joy, you know, because it's so bleak, <laughs> right. honestly. Right. Everything. Honestly. So, that was good. Uh, the knife in the foot as well. Kind of uh, in that sequence as well. So basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> Desmond Doss is so committed to his faith that um, he won't touch a weapon. Um, where did you guys fall on this before we knew what we know, um, before we know why he really won't touch a gun, what, did, where did you fall on this kind of instinctually as you're watching the film? Are you like, dude, just freaking grab the gun. Or are you like, nope, <laughs> I hope he kind of sticks with his guns, so to speak here. and doesn't grab it. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, this is one where you, you, I think it would have been, I mean, I'm glad it didn't turn out. Obviously this is based on a true story, but 
if it would have come down to it and then he just starts <laughs> just wrecking shop at the end and just killing Japanese left and right, it kind of would have made the whole thing feel a little bit pointless. So I'm glad I'm glad that in real life, Desmond Dawes uh, did not go back on his word and, and stuck to what, uh, you know, stuck to his convictions and his beliefs. And, and it played well for the movie. It was, I thought, a little bit derivative when they asked him kind of like, you know, why don't you use guns? He says, guns are for the weak. Guns are for the stupid. No offense. And <laughs> like, I thought that was Batman. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a little bit McGrubery when he threw the tennis ball that was supposed to explode. <laughs> and it didn't. Um, but yeah. no, 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 it is like super admirable. I have like a weird affinity for. Um, I love like Uncle Tom's Cabin and things like that, that sort of celebrate really passive um and it's not even really anything i believe i just really admire because dos was seven day of venice right like yeah. i love non-violence of seven day of venice I, i'm really interested in non-violence of quakers um like i always find that really interesting narratively uh mm-hmm. because it throws like a wrench uh into things would have been cool if he'd ripped a th- few throats at the end. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that but but no like i i think that it's oddly not only is it very, it, it's like, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan, but I like admire those who are because I love animals and uh, I'm not like a pacifist, but I admire those who are. But regardless of all that, it's like really interesting narratively. It's like a really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. coincidentally, it's a great plot device in, in sure. film to have the nonviolent person. And it's never been exploited better than this movie. Sure. You got a good point. Um, something I forgot to mention earlier, uh, we talked about the, scene with the little kid versions at the beginning but there's kind of a scene prequel prior to that kind of a prologue of him actually in battle and Mm -hmm. um wounded in battle and how do we feel about this because in hindsight i wish that they had cut that out i wish there was there was no Mm. him wounded in battle at the beginning it really ruins a lot of the dramatic tension Agree. Just the fact that you know he's gonna get to battle eventually. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like especially when they're threatening to kick him out of the army and everything. I'm like, well, how is he gonna get to battle and get wounded? Then yeah. If he gets kicked out of the army, you know, um, you didn't think there was enough time for all that to occur. So that I don't. In hindsight, I mean, I praise Gibson for a lot of this, and I'm going to. Um, this is an incredible film for a lot of reasons. Um, None of them have to do with the first 40 minutes. <laughs> you can walk in 40 minutes in and sit down mm-hmm. and watch this movie and leave and say, that may be the most incredible thing I've seen um, done on screen. And that's fine. Um, all the weakness of this movie does come at the beginning. But having said that, I don't see why he put that there at the beginning. I agree. Why? I, and I would take it a step further as even to say, stop I doing that. Why, I in can't film, think of just a reason general, why like, he, he would that, have done that. Yeah, like why I mean, you needed that? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of I don't beyond anything else. We've seen that done so many times, and I realize we've been making movies for so long that there's very rarely like a fully original idea at this point. But the thirty second uh, narrated over the top kind of here's what's coming later, and then we're gonna mm-hmm. jump back to the beginning of the story fifteen we years earlier. Stop. Yeah, yeah, we need that. to stop doing that. It's a bad bit, and it. For me, it set me on the wrong foot. Now, it, 
it corrected pretty quickly and I was, you know, I was able to get back into it. But I thought at the beginning of this, I went to see the movie with my dad. My dad's a big war movie guy. And, uh, I was like, dude, I, there's nothing worse than going to me. <laughs> there's nothing worse than going to see a movie with somebody and knowing that they're probably going to like it. And you're, you're not like, I hate that conversation afterwards of being like, Oh, yeah, I thought that kind of sucked. And I was really nervous. Like, I'm going to have to tell my dad that I hated this movie. Um, but it, it, you know, it corrected really well afterwards. But that that opening scene really needs to be cut. Like, it's a bad bit. And, and just overall, as an industry, we should stop doing that bit. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so basically what happens is uh, they threaten to kick him out of the – they threaten to kick Desmond Doss or Garfield out of the army because – you have to pass basic training, and part of basic training is firing a rifle. It's that simple. Um, and I guess they find a workaround, or his father, actually, this is a good moment, comes in to the court trial hearing of um, him potentially serving time in military jail for disobeying, disobeying orders and uh, redeems his son. Um what did we think of that? That that's definitely the redemption. It's kind of like they they kind of wrap up that storyline really fast, you know. Yeah. They wrap that yeah, up, really. and then before they even get to battle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of appreciated that. Mel appreciate that one. We didn't mm-hmm. have to go back to that too much. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like the courtroom scene in Big Daddy. <laughs> like not done for <laughs>, laughs. It's all about dads. I'm not even kidding. Like that's what it. Yeah. That's that was like my. <laughs> Uh, it was it was odd, but they got it. You're right, Kent. They they did get it over with early, and uh, and 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 at least you're right. Neither of you are wrong in the in the or I or I shouldn't right or wrong. What what do you care? What I think? Uh, <laughs> you, I agree with both of you on on the kind of irrelevance of the first forty minutes of the movie. Not uh, irrelevance, just that the the. Why you come see this movie doesn't occur right. until 40 minutes into it. <laughs> sure. Totally fair. totally fair. But some of that stuff is, 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 is early on. And that's the most redeeming part of the, the early part of the film. Oh, it's, I, I totally said it's, it's totally genuine and, and it works and it's, um, light, not lighthearted, but heartwarming. And, um, I think it totally works to set up his, ascent into the battlefield um Mm -hmm. and um i mean we could talk all night about it but let's do it i can go another i can go another a little bit it's already been like an hour but you've reached hour six of the hacksaw (laughs) ridgeathon the actual pledge drive i was really not nervous but curious as to whether gibson could recreate what get what spielberg did with private ryan as far as the re the reality of war um that's really why i hold that movie private ryan to such a high standard because it does it better than anything shows us what war mm-hmm. is actually oh. like according to the people that were there the people that were mm-hmm. on normandy you know saw the movie mm-hmm. and said that's i mean I w- I could barely watch it because it was so yeah. lifelike, you know. Yeah. Um, and it does. I mean, it's the it's right, you know. It's Private Ryan's right, you know. Show right 
on the boat at the beginning. It spares no time in setting anything up, uh, really. Yeah, it gets right mm-hmm. into it. It's got the little mm-hmm. the guy at the graveyard, or Matt Damon at the graveyard, old Matt Damon, and then transitioning into Tom Hanks and onto the thing, mm-hmm. and then boom, you're at D-Day. But this, it kind of saves the best for last, so to speak, as far as um, the filmmaking goes. And, I mean, it's just, you can't look away. It's just, mm-hmm. it's it's horrific and incredible all at the same time, what is being done here. And yeah. I, I just can't believe he did this. Like, how how much vision it takes to pull something like this off, Richard, like you said. How much talent it really takes to do this um this is the best these are the best battle scenes not um like lord of the rings level like battle scenes but world war Two, like realistic like that i'm 99 percent sure that that's what it was like kind of scenes <laughs> yeah, that i've ever sure. seen i mean wow and okay. you can i guess quote me on that um it was oh. it was unbelievable you know it like everyone needs to see this you need you need to see that like i i feel better as a i have more respect for for the military when you see things like this you know what i mean like you mm-hmm. it's it's sucks you know war sucks and like this happened and it's horrible and people lost loved ones and it changed the country and countless number of things but like we kind of have to see like you kind of have to see the passion at some point. You know what I mean? You kind of have to put yourself uh, through yeah. it just to, yeah. <laughs> just to, just to appreciate, not appreciate, but just have much, that much more respect for people that went through that. And especially a medic. I mean, you, like you said, you don't, Richard, you just never really appreciated it as much. You don't, you didn't think about it more than anyone mm-hmm. else who served, you know, you just thought it was another person who served, but just the amount of, responsibility and you really are putting yourself in the line of fire, especially him without even a way to defend himself. I guess that just yeah. adds another layer to this whole thing. And it's not even like it was <laughs> fake. It's not like Mel Gibson added that in for to, to juicing up the story. I mean, it would have been right. a great narrative device to say, Oh, this guy refuses to carry a weapon and he's going to go into battle. Wow. There's a movie, but mm-hmm. this guy actually had that, you know, covenant and everything. And uh, that's just incredible, the fact that um, that even happened. But what did you think of just the whole Hacksaw Ridge sequence or part of the the, the movie? I mean, it reminded me of Game of Thrones with the wall and everything. <laughs> you know, they kind of, uh, mm-hmm. they had to climb the wall first, and then, man, when they get over that thing, holy, holy, you know, <laughs> yeah. all hell breaks <laughs> yeah. loose. I mean, it's, it's... uh this movie goes from Unbroken to Saving Private Ryan in about 0.4 seconds, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah. Like the, the color saturation and the way it's shot and the tripod and everything, um, it just all changes, you know, towards the end. You you lose all that and you, you're in a war. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. this is kind mm-hmm. of the genius of it by Mel is just like that's how it was for these people. They're just living their lives. They're, oh, we're in the Army. Oh, I got my girl. Oh, I'm going to do basic training. And then, bam, mm-hmm. there's a bullet. You know, there's your friends all getting shot around you. You know, you really do feel that for Andrew Garfield's character here. Uh, how did were you as affected by these scenes as you were in uh, Private Ryan, or was it just more? For know. me, not not quite as much. Um, the main I difference thought, is I, that they 
they don't i mean they do use the tripod in these scenes um they don't it's not all like pov found footage right. style yeah like spielberg was yeah. committed to doing on that and gibson yeah. could have done it here but i think it would have felt a little too much too derivative of that sure yeah that's fair um i think i thought for the most part it was these are the, some of the best action excuse me some of the best war scenes that i've that i've ever seen but saving part ryan is on another level on that stuff because because of the pov camera and the I don't even know how to put that. Spielberg grittiness. It's yes, it's gritty, but it's I don't know, man. Like you walk out of saving out of that at least that opening sequence. Like after that's over, you kind of wonder if some actors died in the making of that. Like it's <laughs> it feels they did so. This <laughs> feels so incredibly real. This did too in the um, in the wider scenes. Whenever. Whenever it moved, this is not really a criticism so much as just an observation. But like, whenever it moved in on one in one individual in particular, and like his death or his mm-hmm. narrow escape of mm-hmm. death or whatever, it those moments felt like a movie. And whereas Saving Private Ryan, not just the opening sequence, but also, I think the mo- someday we need to do a, a, a Saving Private Ryan episode, but the. The most um, affecting scene in that movie to me has always been the the machine gun turret mm, when they storm gosh. that sequence. That that is a um, gosh, like even just thinking about they that, like kind of works this. me up a little. Sure, sure, totally. But this movie feels like a movie most of the time, at least at least as far as the um, the the micro within the macro goes. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like but Saving Private Ryan. There is never a point in the war sequence. It's the last one, maybe a little bit, because by that point you really know the characters, and that's just kind of you know you're you're really watching for the characters more than what's happening on screen. But like, um, pretty much every war sequence in Saving Private Ryan is like, could this be like like legitimate found footage that they just cleaned up and made it look great? Because it's it's so intense and it's so real um i thought a lot of the like focus in on this guy sort of moments here he is here's this guy dying here's this guy dying we're, we're very movie-esque and that's fine yeah. like i've no, that's not a criticism or a complaint just so much as if i'm going to compare those two saving private ryan brought me into that reality of hell and never and did not let me go until the sequence was over whereas this one kind of uh, drifted back and forth, and I'm I'm kind of thankful for that in some ways. Like it it, it made it a, just one percent less intense, and that I'm not super complaining about. You know? Oh, this one was this one was more crazy. I mean, for me, it was just a little bit has to do with the different styles of warfare and the fact that one of them is in France and this is in Japan, and Japan was just yeah. so much more hand to hand. Really, I mean. These guys are on the ground, you know, they're on a flat surface. They're, they're, um, you never know who's there. Uh, there's smoke everywhere, you know, it's just so much more unknown. Yeah. I felt like sure. with this, um, it was so much more, was creepy about it to me. And, uh, it, I mean, the deaths for me were, were bad. I mean, they really hark on the fire a lot here. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of these, these guys, get hit in several different ways. Um, I can't believe the amount of different wounds that he had to upend, you know, his character, um, Garfield's character here. 
Um, just the amount of things you have to deal with in a war is just, it's, you know, you would think, oh, guys are getting shot left and right. But no, there's, you know, any number of shrapnel and fire and bullets uh, flying and, you know, sp- just things flying around. I mean, there's just so much that can go wrong. And to volunteer to be a medic in this, is that's just mind-blowing. I cannot. Mm-hmm. I can't fathom yeah. it. And so such a brave choice. Yeah. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know. Like I, I just, I just, I just thank those people so much. You know, they're, they're the reason we're here now. You know, the people mm-hmm. in Every World bit. War II that did that, did all that. But um, incredible. And his work was the, the whole say. You know, uh, I guess what was it? Lord, let me get me, get me one more. Was mm-hmm. uh, I thought that kind of? I don't know if it's true or not. The reveal or not reveal or the setup of the rope. How did you guys think that worked? Uh, if that wasn't a, re- a, a setup, like a something to put in the script with him tying the rope in basic training mm-hmm. and then actually using that to save all those people, um, mm-hmm. that's incredible if that really happened too. Um, sure. The fact that he used the actual wall to lure people down there. But there's some, definitely some redemption moments there. Uh, he makes friends with people on the battle. I think he makes his first friend there. And in kind of a touching scene when they're sleeping between kind of tours, and he actually makes the decision to go back on another tour when they tell him he can leave, you know? Like, you've mm-hmm. done enough here, you can go now. And he's like, no, we're staying, we're going to take the ridge again in the morning, you know? And he, they needed his help, and that's when he gets wounded is uh, pretty emotional, too. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that if he had just stayed back that one last time, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been wounded. Uh, in battle, but that's amazing. And I mean, he saved so many people. This is a real person, you know. This isn't a movie. This is a real person. That's that's unbelievable. And um, I think the most touching part is the end when they show the actual footage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the guy yeah, talking about things that actually happened in the movie, and um, the fact that he actually wiped the guy's face, the blood off his face, and he thought he was blind, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those are that's always the most touching thing. Gosh, is the yeah. real people saying, "Man, he saved my life." You know, I think it was the drill yeah. sergeant saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the last person I ever wanted in my camp, and the irony of it all was that he's the one that saved my life on the battlefield or whatever. But um, again, you know, you never know when people, somebody you see at a restaurant, or you know, people are that are of that age have these experiences and you just thank them if you can, if you see that they're a veteran or wearing the hat or whatever, shake their hand, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be around much longer. So for me, this, um, this worked on a lot of levels. It brought a lot to the table for me. Uh, the rats didn't understand the amount of rats that there would have actually been there. I mean, that's horrific. I mean, it's just another thing, you know, uh, I mean, awful. Um, and I think the, 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 a uh, scene where he actually helps the Japanese soldier who's wounded is a very, it's like, wow. If if things like that actually happen in that, that time, that's, that's incredible too. You know, the fact that yeah. neither, both of them are out there because they're just doing their duty, not because they actually hate the other person on the other end, you know, um, that's, that's crazy to think about too, mm-hmm. um, as well. So do y'all have any other general thoughts here? Big thoughts? Hacksaw Ridge? No. No, no, I think it's a it's a really interesting and important movie. 
that I would recommend a lot of people see if you can if you can stomach uh, certain visual things in it. But uh, sure. yeah, no, I'm 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 good for grades if Brian is. One yeah, more sequence I want to mention is when um, he's kind of he's trying to save his drill sergeant and the sniper is sniping at both of them and he's using he's kind of playing decoy for his drill sergeant who's using the sniper. I thought that was a very well executed sequence. Too. Yeah, that was cool. Um, very very well done. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of grenades here, and again the hand to hand stuff with the bayonets and oh yeah. my, I cannot, I can't yeah. fathom it. I can't. Uh, I mean, that's that's one reason why we there's don't one, have a Brian. There's one probably forty second shot where they don't cut away and it's just total chaos, hand to hand. Yeah, yeah, And they're shooting yeah. and stabbing and there's grenades and I mean, it, there's no music or anything. It's just as brutal as it gets. I mean, and mm. I'm interested to see that again, just uh, how that was shot. You know. Um, yeah. And on the second viewing, but go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just that's one reason why most of our war movies focus, at least as far as mm-hmm. World War II movies, it's usually going to be uh, the European front, not the Pacific front, because the Pacific front is just not that, <laughs> not that the not that D Day was like a cup of tea or anything. Like just everybody was having a great time, but it 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 is a little bit easier to stomach on film. And it's why we, it's one major reason why we don't have a lot of world war one movies is because trench warfare is um, like the worst thing ever. And so it's really hard to put that on film. There will be a movie that will, that will be the world war one movie. I I'm thinking the next, yeah, at some point, I mean, it's it's kind of ripe for the taking in some ways because it's, I mean, it really hasn't been touched on anywhere near as much as as world war ii and i understand why on every level um but it that type of warfare is i mean that kind of lends some some uh to what hugo weaving is doing with that character of just like there's never been a war that anybody has come out of un unscarred um but world war one is just so awful and brutal and and that pacific war is is kind of following right in its footsteps like it's that's hard to put on film yeah so let's hit grades for hacksaw ridge guys um i'm gonna give this an a mm-hmm. I, I i mean i was hesitant at first and i mean i was treading along at a b minus there for a while but as soon as as soon as it starts i mean i was just blown away i mean not only from wow these people actually did this but as a movie, like filmmaking, holy crap! You know this is a sure. this is a, a true accomplishment. And haven't said that a lot this year, if at all. So, thank mm-hmm. you, Mel, for that. Um, Brian, great. Yeah, I'm the same. A for me. Uh, one of the better movies I've seen this year. And um, I don't know this is going to get Oscar conversation. I don't. And, I think it'll may get, not even deserve it. I think but it'll it's... get uh, best picture com- uh, consideration. I don't know about sure. acting. I don't think Andrew Garfield gets nominated. I don't. No, think I don't think so either. Mel, maybe Mel Gibson. Um, maybe, but I definitely <sighs> think it gets best picture uh, consideration, and maybe best supporting actress. Maybe best actress for Teresa uh, Palmer. Palmer. She was She was very good. Yep. So. She's not in the movie a lot, so that's yeah. that's hard to pull. That's why I, said I was incredibly impressed with with Hugo Weaving. I, for me, he was the yeah, um, he great. was the best acting Always part is. of part of the movie. So he was that was uh, that was good. Um, I think this is the type of movie that that like kind of stays on the fringe of 
the best picture consideration and, you know, is one of those, maybe it grabs, if, if we get 10 nominees, maybe it grabs one of the last spots. I'll, or something I'll be like honest. That. We're in November. We're mid November. And yeah, it's a weird it's year, a, man. It's, there's nothing that's come out. Mm-hmm. That's like law lands coming out and silence and a couple mm-hmm. other things later in December. But like, there's nothing really coming out. That's like, Oh, that's a shoe in. You know, yeah. Uh, I think Moonlight has a spot locked locked up, but everything else is kind of wide open. It's very wide open. This is races. I mean, there could be, you know, everybody wants some could be in the conversation, and that came out. Of, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like those types of movies this year might might be in the just because there's the pickings are that slim for those kinds of movies. So we'll have to see. So Richard, what's your grade? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go A minus. Okay, hacksaw. Another Mel Gibson joint. We'll have to see. <laughs> Hopefully, nothing crazy happens between this and his next one. We'll see what he does. But pass and sequel. What let's hit a uh, recommend, guys. Hey, ma'am, fam. Question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Weekly recommends. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend a podcast. It's available uh, on the Audible app. It's available on the regular uh, like Apple and Google Play podcast apps as well, but they're a little delayed, and there's not as many of the episodes. But there's an, a podcast on the Audible app called – it's called Presidents Are People Too. It's with uh, Elliot Kalin and uh, – oh, gosh, I forgot. Her. I think it's Allison Coe is her name, something Coe. Uh, she's an historian. He's the ex-head writer of Daily Show, and they're like little 30-minute histories of every president and more focusing on their personal lives and kind of just interesting tidbits about them. It's really kind of a fun 
well-produced podcast, um, which if you're listening to this one, you're not familiar with. <laughs> and it's no, I'm kidding. This, uh, but no, it's it's it's. If you like this show, you'll like that that one. What what we try to do for movies, I think they try to do for history, and I think it's a really really fun little show. I mean, I listen. I'm all caught up on them, and I recommend it to both of you, and I recommend it to our listeners as well. Nice. What's it called again? It's called Presidents Are People Too. Great. Mm. Cool podcast. Uh, Brian. I'm also going to recommend a podcast, so we're just spreading the love all around. Uh, I mentioned in our Doctor Strange episode, uh, Hollywood Reporter has a Hollywood Reporter has a podcast called Awards Chatter, hosted by Scott Feinberg. Uh, they do weekly-ish episodes where he's just talking to a an actor. You will know pretty much every actor that's that's been on. That, to me, that's very hit or miss. Typically, I don't. There's times when I'm like, I really just don't. I don't want to listen to an actor talk for an hour. Um, but they, he's picked really. He's had uh, he's had Will Forte and he's had Bob Odenkirk and Jesse Plemons and uh, as well as you know Kate Beckinsale and Casey Affleck. Really interesting people. Um, and he he's a very good interviewer and does some good stuff with them. So he's getting a lot out of those people that um, you know sometimes. We all know there's times when a, a, a celebrity and actor sits down for an interview and they don't really want to do it, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a beating to listen to. Yeah. Uh, so far, everyone that I've listened to, uh, he's he's engaged with the actor the, or whoever he's, he's interviewing really well, and it's it's been been really insightful. I love Odenkirk and Forte. Those two episodes are um, they're both so open in their conversation. Forte is always that way. Like every interview I've ever read or listened to with Forte, he, he will talk about anything. Odenkirk sometimes is not. Um, but he, he got some good stuff out of him. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, and if you're, you know, same, same type of thing, if you're listening to this, this podcast, you'll probably enjoy that one as well. So check that out. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to recommend a Netflix special. Um, nice. stand up. Uh, Dana Carvey. Oh, wow. Oh, is it good? I haven't watched it Special. Yet. I, I'm not going to lie. I was freaking laughing my butt off watching this. I think uh, uh, his stand-up hasn't been great over his career. Yeah. Um, he's definitely mm-hmm. a sketch comedian. But, I mean, this is so funny. Just he does little impressions. He calls them micro-impressions. Yes. Yeah, and, I mean... There's there are some bits in this that I was just belly laughing at. Um, I think you guys will really like it. Um, Sweet. There's some there's definitely some funny stuff. So it's called Straight White Male Sixty, and it's on Netflix. It's his first Netflix special. Uh, Chris Rock just signed a forty million dollar deal to do two specials on Netflix. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's yeah. exciting. And he apparently all the SNL people are really pissed because they, I mean. Like Sandler got a great deal, but like all of them are doing stand up, like Spade and all of them are doing specials for Netflix, but they're not getting 40 freaking. They're not Chris Rock, but uh, yeah, they're all. I'm just sure, sure that when they hang out, they're just like, so 40 million, eh? You know, kind of a thing. Um, but I'm excited for that. But Dana Carvey, um, really interesting guy, too. Uh, he yeah, was for sure. On, he did an, interv- he did an interview with Stern. something I listened to. Oh really? Okay. He was on uh, Stern. He has a book coming out, maybe, or maybe he was promoting a stand-up special or something. But uh, he's kind of back and doing things again, and uh, he's a lot to say about Trump and funny things. And uh, check that out on Netflix. Dana Carvey, so funny. He was, he was on. Oh, he was on Nerdist. 
Oh, listen to gotcha. a Nerdist podcast with him a few months, uh, a few weeks ago when I was in an airport uh, in uh, St. Louis. So yeah, no, he's well, check out uh, yeah, Howard's interview. Wanna... Howard's a little yeah, maybe uh, slightly better, slightly better than the Nerdist that maybe doing SNL type things. But uh, no, I yeah. agree. Well, um, well, check that out on Netflix. It's it's I think you'll find some humor in it. All right, uh, where can we find you online, Richard? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or at uh, richardbarden.com or on the Mad About Movies uh, podcast newsletter, which is coming out uh, a little bit belated, but next week. Uh, Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. Kent, where can we find you? Find me online at Ken Garrison on Twitter and at kentgarrison.com. And find our show on iTunes, Mad About Movies. Hit subscribe, leave us five stars if you like what you hear. And tell a friend, because that's what friends are for. And until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yaya. Yeah, yeah.